Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another week of the Ninth State Sports Show Football Edition. Uh, my name is Joe Marcellina. Joining me again this week, a former football coach in the Granite State, Mike Lockman. Mike, how are you doing this week? Doing great, Joe. Looking forward to talking some ball, as usual. We actually have some games to talk about, which uh, is always a good thing. And uh, Yeah, a lot happened this weekend. Like we talked about last week, there were some kind of marquee matchups for week one that, uh, you know, maybe we learned something in – Maybe we still have a lot to learn, as we were talking before we started, so so it should be some interesting discussion. Yeah. Uh, as always, you can send us questions or feedback by shooting an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com or on Twitter at nhhsports. And uh, I know you're listening to us on a Wednesday here, but uh, going forward, uh, we will be uh, putting the show up on Tuesday morning at nh-highschoolsports.com. Uh, of course, we were just discussing this uh, earlier, too, that this uh, the Labor Day weekend always seems to uh, throw a, a monkey wrench into things where you, you kind of get geared up to get back into the fall, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, nope, one, one more three-day weekend, we're, we're going to do that. Uh, let's not I know. Go. It's one of the worst-place holidays in the history of holidays. And, <laughs> and I think the other thing, too, Joe, is like when you, you, know, you don't say – yeah, hey, sorry, we were we were we were late with uh, with the podcast because of the holiday weekend, so we got to go on Wednesday. You say it's a special Wednesday edition <laughs> yeah, <there> we go. <laughs> of the podcast, <laughs> right? That's you got to you got to do that little trick. <laughs> All right, well, we'll have to, I'll make a note of that for next year. Uh, <laughs> of course, we didn't have to do this last year because I, I mean practices were just starting on this Tuesday last year, of course. Right. Um, and with uh, I want to remind you, with schedules looking a little more normal this fall. Uh, we'll once again be offering a special football membership. Uh, what that includes is access to all football stories posted at nh-highschoolsports.com throughout the season. Then at the end of the year, you'll receive a copy of our football yearbook, uh, a full-color magazine that contains all of that coverage, along with tons of photos from throughout the year. Uh, you can sign up for the memberships by going to uh, nh-highschoolsports.com. Then while you're looking at the home page, right on the top there, it says membership. Uh, just look hover over that or drop down and give you a an option that says membership levels just click on that and you are on your way um so yeah any anybody um that signs up will be getting a copy of the yearbook and this also goes a long way to helping us uh i guess keeping the site going um you know we we need support in order to do that and uh those memberships go a long way towards that so uh please uh take cons or consider that if you uh if you're a big fan of the site um Speaking of fans, uh, though, I guess that was the biggest. Um, you know, you kind of you kind of forget about it. I at least I have been um, that they really didn't have fans in the stands last year at this time. We had we had them, but not too many of them. Uh, Friday night, I was at Nashua South um, for their game against Salem, and not only did we have fans, we had t we had a two band halftime. You know, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, you you know you you they're going to break, and we look up, and there's 20 minutes on the clock, and it's like wow. Uh, unusual, uh, or yeah. felt unusual. Yeah, that's awesome, right? I, I now I don't remember. Did the, did the marching bands actually perform last year, no, or was that all I don't on hold? Um, too? Great. Now, no, I don't believe in a lot of cases. I don't think that they did. Um, yeah, I, I would imagine they wouldn't have. Um, but that's got to be great, right? I mean, such a such a huge part of the high school and, and college games and New Hampshire actually has some really good marching bands across the street. I mean, look at Londonderry. They've been yeah, great for right. decades, you know, and, but uh, you see some of these other bands, um, even, even some of the, the division two bands, uh, with, 
know, they have smaller numbers and things, but it just makes the atmosphere so awesome. When you have that student section rocking and you have a halftime band show that's, that's really well put together, you, you know, you have, you have all the, the drums and all that stuff. I mean, man, it just gets the blood flowing. Awesome <laughs> atmosphere. Yeah, it definitely changes, uh, changes the game. Um, you know, what was kind of funny though with that game was that, um, the, uh, you know, the bands will, will, will kind of get into position with maybe, you know, five minutes or so left in the second quarter there, you know, cause there's a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff, a lot of kids that need to flow out of the stands and get, you know, over to the sidelines to get ready. Um, but the way this game was, went, um, you know, instead of standing there for a couple of minutes, uh, it felt like they were stand the band was standing there for, I don't know, like 15 to 20 because this that game, um, of course, the final was was sixty two to thirty six uh, Salem, and um, you know that first half was just completely back and forth, um, you know, touchdown for touchdown for touchdown, and it nearly, you know, it it, it almost went into halftime tied at thirty five. So, uh, South came up a couple yards short, um, you know, on the last play of the half or what ended up being the last play of the half. Um, there was some confusion at at halftime there whether um, you know whether there's there was time left. I think you know South got tackled at the two uh, with like four seconds left on the clock, and I, the officials just kind of let the clock run out. Like they didn't try to set the ball, they didn't do really do anything. Um, they just kind of oh time's up, and and that was the end of the half, uh, which was a little huh. strange. Um, I don't know exactly what the you know what the ruling is there the reasoning there is if they're supposed to stop it at all to set the ball or what um well well you know it's like we were saying just before we got on on the podcast here is you know week one is is obviously a lot of fun but and i love having these big matchups week one but the the other side of that is you know the teams are still kind of rusty they're still looking for their identities and stuff week one and you have a salem south matchup um, and, and, you know, there's a lot of rust associated with that. Right. And, and I think it's the same thing for the officiating crews too. You know I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're, they're still kind of getting their feet under them and, 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 um, getting into the rhythm of what they're doing and things. So it, it's not always the smoothest operation. That's not a criticism. I mean, that's just reality, right? You see that in, in, uh, college, you see that in the pros, you know, the, and I think it's one of the reasons why sometimes the week one marquee matchup isn't always, uh, the greatest thing, right? I right. mean, it's a lot of fun for the fans and stuff, but you know, the 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 teams aren't as as crisp and as well polished as you'd like them to be at that point in the season. And it sounds like that that was the case out there, right? Yeah, this was. I mean, it, it was. Uh, it it was kind of a. I mean, it was a strange game. It was a long game for starters. It started. It kicked off at six thirty. It it didn't end until like I want to say like nine fifteen. Um, so yeah, it took a long time. And, you know, oddly enough, you had, you know, start of the or end of the end of the first half and then into the third quarter, you had a lot of South kids uh, cramping up, um, you know, for whatever reason. I mean, it wasn't a hot night, no. uh, but it felt like every couple of plays they had somebody go down and needed to be helped off with with a cramp. Um, and, and it was I mean, it was everybody uh, on, on offense, it felt like. So, you know, that that kind of played into it, into things a little bit. Um but you know what that that matchup, you know those two teams, um, I I think they're going to be two of the better ones, and I'd love to see them play another game at some you know obviously be in the playoffs. But um, you know if both stay healthy, 
I, you know, I think they're going to be both very, very good. Obviously, Salem has been the number one team in the, the power pole um, the first couple weeks here. Uh, but I think Nashua South is right there, too. And, um, yeah, looking forward to seeing what both teams do. South has a, an interesting game at Londonderry this week. Uh, and BG comes back to Stello, or excuse me, Salem comes back to Stello Saturday night to play BG, which is coming off a big win over Keene. Um, yeah. you know, so that's, that's kind of interesting. You get to start, I, you know, there was some, some stuff made, uh, after the game about how Salem had lost to North at Stellos last year in the semifinals. They wanted to come back to Stellos and win. Uh, and then they're playing again next week at Stellos. So just kind of, a, right. kind of a weird, uh, quirk to the, the schedule there. Yeah, I, I think it was a, I mean, I think it was probably a, a, a better game than the score made it sound. Yeah, and yeah, I think, definitely. Yeah, and I think the other thing too is, you know, what what was another attraction of that game was that it wasn't just a matchup of two top tier teams, but you know, a lot of times you see matchups between, uh, you know, top quarterbacks, right? That that gets a lot of billing, or you see, uh, you know, two great defenses or whatever. This was really the matchup of two premier running backs in New Hampshire, right? right Where you had yeah. Josh Compo uh, for South, and then you know, there's a lot of speed in that Salem backfield, but Aiden McDonald. Um, was just a nightmare for South, right? And really, if you look at the numbers kind of just flat out, it sounds like Aiden, along with, you know, Salem won the, the on the scoreboard, Aiden kind of won the direct matchup, right? I mean, he ran for almost 250 yards yeah. and had five touchdowns. Compo had uh, not a bad night either at 100 yards rushing on 14 carries, but, you know, he had that big kickoff return that also was pretty electrified yeah. in special teams, so... Yeah, the guy that the other guy that stood out for South too was uh, quarterback uh, Michael Rutstein. Um, you know, he had a huge game running the ball too. I had him with 144 yards on the ground on just eight carries. Uh, yeah, and then um, Thomas Ehlers for for Salem as well also had a big night uh, running the ball. I, I mean, th- both of these teams, you know, um, different different styles of offense, but I think they're both going to be teams that we see. Um, you know, running the ball quite a lot this year. I mean, South, um, you know, they got out and tried to throw it a little bit um, in the first half, uh, not so much in the second half, just because they didn't, you know, have the ball as much. Um, Right. So they weren't, I mean, even though they're trying to come back, they weren't able to throw it as much, Um, you know, but I think they're going to be a team that leans on the run a little bit more than you would expect from a, a spread offense. And um, just yeah. just want to throw this in real quick because um, I I was curious after saying that Salem also plays North at Stellos too, so they have three away game or three of their away games this year are at Stellos, which is just I, I don't know how that works out, but that's just weird. Yeah, yeah, that is you know it's kind of it kind of becomes a home away from home when you have <laughs> right, that many, right? You know because because what they must have what four or five max away games, right? Three of them are going to be in the same venue. That's kind of cool. I mean, it's actually an advantage for Salem, I think, because you get, you get pretty comfortable with that trip. As a player, you get comfortable with the, with the, you know, the environment, the venue itself, the locker room, you know, you get into a routine where it doesn't feel away anymore. I mean, sometimes you have four home games. They have three away games in the same venue. Yeah. Their only other away game is at Alvern. Right. So the other interesting twist on that, too, is that all of their conference games are at home. Oh, I'm sorry, take that back. Alvern, I forgot that Alvern was in, in the South Conference now. So the, their other conference games are, so they get Pinkerton, Wyndham, at, and uh, Londonderry all at home. Yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty advantageous schedule. 
uh, for a team that already is a, a tremendous football team, right? So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Um, but well, I just mentioned him there. But spe- speaking of Pinkerton, that was the other game I went to see uh, this past weekend. Uh, was Pinkerton at Wyndham? Um, you know, and and <laughs> I think for the first couple of weeks we kind of said we were like, well, you know, Pinkerton season coming to an end la- early last year. We don't really know. You know what are they going to look like? And uh, to be to be answer that question, um, they look a lot like what Pinkerton usually looks like. Um, yeah, a lot of success running the ball. I, I actually can't believe how many times they actually threw the ball. Uh, seven times. But what was what was kind of the most remarkable about that was as they came out to start the second half, got the opening kickoff, and their first three plays were all dropbacks. And I, I was just yeah, this is this is kind of weird. Um, but you know they had. Well, you had mentioned in your in your article on the website, if I'm not mistaken, that in the post game, Coach O'Reilly had said, "Hey, you know, they were doing a lot of things inside to us. You know, between just maybe their defensive alignment and, and sounded like some of the stunting that Wyndham was getting off on them that was really making the inside run game difficult. So, you know, it sounds like they kind of." Did the old adage of take what the defense gives you, right? Hey, we're not going to bang our heads into a brick wall trying to run, you know, off guard, off tackle all day, right? We'll we'll set some things up. We'll hit the outside and, and we'll chuck it around when we get a chance to chuck it around. And it sounds like that's exactly what they did. Exactly what they did. And I'm glad you mentioned that too because that, because uh, Coach O'Reilly gave us all a little uh, history lesson after the game too, uh, kind of uh, quoting – uh, is it Sun Sun Tzu that wrote the uh, the Art of War? Yep. Um, you know, just kind of mentioning that that they took away the middle, or you know, we're taking away everything in between the tackles. Uh, you know, so so he kind of used that as a you know, don't don't run into walled fields. Uh, was, yeah, don't you know, don't kinda, attack walls. Yeah, walled, walled cities, cities right? Yeah. <laughs> um, which is exactly what they did. I mean, they they hardly ran the ball up the middle. Um, you know, the only times that they really did was was in short yarded situations or in in kind of uh, delayed um, hand, you know, in, in delayed runs, if you will, um, you know, and, and then and Jacob Albert had a huge game, um, you know, being able to get to the outside using his speed, uh, had him with 158 yards and two touchdowns, and then another uh, another touchdown receiving, you know, so so just kind of uh, some explosive plays from him, uh, including a 75 yard touchdown run in the uh, early in the third quarter that kind of. I mean, if, if you know, it, yeah, it, it took Pinkerton a while to pull away, and that was kind of really the point that they did, it felt like. Yeah, I mean, it sounded like if you looked at the total yardage there, it was kind of, you know, it, it, it sounded like an Astros domination, right? 329 to 210, and I think you had in the article that over 80 yards, you know, kind of came on the last drive of the game. Where right. I, I'm not sure for whether Wyndham, at that Wyndham, point yeah. Coach O'Reilly had his, um, his backup squad in or what, but um, I, I didn't really notice on defense. I know the offense they had put in a lot of the second unit there. Yeah, yeah, but it's good that um, Nate Compost played well too. Because now, was he a starter as a sophomore, or did he have a brother with the same name? Because I um, remember that last name. I'm not sure. He did start for them last year, um, but I'm not sure about. I don't believe he did two years ago. Yeah, maybe I'm just remembering from from. Um, the game or two that they actually got in before they had to shut down last year. And yeah. I might've even seen them play early in the season last year. Uh, and, rem- and, and thinking that he was pretty good, you know, like yeah. 
yeah, they had a great running game, and that's what they were gonna that's what they were gonna hang their hats on. But more so than in the past, they had a really good vertical passing game with that kid. If it's the same, if it's the same young man, and I remember thinking, not only did they have the quarterback that could get the ball out there, but their wing backs and their split end receivers were were good at getting downfield and making those catches. So it's nice if they have that uh, sort of dual threat to their offense this season. You know, they'll be back. And they um, they host Keene uh, this coming Friday night, and then the following week uh, is kind of maybe the other. I guess maybe marquee game, uh, Pinkerton at Salem on the 17th. Um, yeah. You know, and then two weeks after, or no, excuse me, the following week they have Londonderry. So uh, uh, always a fun stretch to kind of open the, I feel like those two games are always third and fourth on Pinkerton's schedule every year. Yeah. Um, you know, or every, every normal year. Um, so, I mean, that's, yeah, that's a fun back to back. And, and I think that Salem game, um, Maybe maybe some stuff that we don't normally see from these two teams, just given the amount of speed that each team has. Um, I, I think that's you know a, a, the potential there for it to be a pretty you know pretty high scoring game if it's you know if, if those teams kind of hold true to form. What we, what we saw in this week one. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And then um, and then that you uh, didn't make it out to a game, but you did watch a game, right? Am I get am I am gathering? Yeah, I got to see a little bit of film on uh, on Nasha North and uh, Alver, and uh, it was a fun game to watch. You know, Nashua North uh, looks a lot like they did last year. I mean, obviously they don't have Curtis Lopez Harris anymore, um, and and unfortunately because of the way I was watching the film, right? I don't, I didn't have uh, like a roster in front of me, right? So I'm, I'm going to come up short on some of these guys' names. But you know, I guess what I'd say about the game was, you know. It was probably a little closer than North felt comfortable with, and I and I think that's sort of been the theme of the of the articles and and uh, some of the things that have been out about that game since it was played. But uh, you know, North looked exactly like you would expect them to look. Yeah. And by that I mean a team with a lot of weapons and a lot of speed, but some inexperience to go along with those things. Um, so it, you know, you got the feel that they they were a pretty talented ball club but they're raw and you know if they can clean up some of that rawness and they can uh gain experience in the in the coming weeks and practices and the games and so forth you know they're i think they're going to be pretty good i think they have merrimack is yeah. that right is it merrimack they, this coming yeah, week? they i mean the, the schedule lines up for them pretty good um early in the season here i mean they've got merrimack this week which uh which took a thumping from from londonderry um, they go to Wyndham to play on the Wyndham's uh, blackout cancer night there and to, in, yeah. uh, on the 17th. Uh, Nashua South the week after that, and then they go to Keene um, the first weekend of October. Right, yeah, so they've got, they've got some teams that have started out 0-1. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of what I was getting at is that if they have the opportunity to you know, not come out and, and have to play Pinkerton and Salem and some of these other teams early where, you know, you, you don't have the luxury uh, south. You know, you know, you don't have the luxury of, of kind of coming up to speed. Um, if they have that chance and they can learn some things from these early games, I think they have the chance to be dangerous too. Now, on the other side of the ball, i got to be honest, I was really impressed with Alvern right. um, from what I saw. Yeah. I, I thought at times Alvern was actually more physical 
than Nashua North. Um, Alvern's offensive line, in particular, was was pretty impressive. You know, I know they've got a couple returners on there, like Alex Lawson and um, and Dom Willard. Um, they had a couple of tackles that were that were pretty good ball players, and they were able to to get into the North players and uh, and move them off the line in the running game and. You know, Alvern has a kind of an interesting offensive scheme that's a little bit more pro style. You know, there are, there are some under center, there are some in the gun. Sometimes they're two back, sometimes they're one back, sometimes they have multiple tight ends. So they throw a lot of formations at you. Um, but one thing that it also seems like they've sort of been able to carry over. I know that uh, um, they're I think a three-year starter at quarterback. They're replacing this year. I forget that guy's uh, name. He was really yeah, good. Kyle Gora. Cora, the, thank yeah, you, yeah. right. And then uh, it's um, what Jacob Bradshaw is stepping in this year. Yeah, he, he was pretty good, too. You know, I mean, they they have a, uh, a couple big targets there in terms of uh, some tight ends. Um, I think I'm trying to remember who the, the, the one guy was that was a pretty good target for them. But then they, they, you know, they do a pretty good job of going vertical, too. You know, I mean, just putting it up one in one-on-one situations. They, have a, they had a really tall wide receiver, again, I'm not sure the young man's name, but you know, through through an early pass too, they were hindered a little bit by sloppy ball carrying, uh, ball security. Mm-hmm. Alvern, right? And there were a couple of early turnovers that I think hurt them. And if you think about how close that game was, and again, you know, being week one, you know that the ball security stuff is going to get cleaned up. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was a good game. I, I I was impressed with the play of the quarterback. I thought. Again, I thought the offensive line was was very physical, um, and and they were able to do some things uh, both in the protection scheme and in the run game uh, against you know what has typically been a pretty good Nashua North defensive front. Um, and so it, you know it, it, I think it's going to be kind of fun watching Alvern and and seeing whether they grow into their own um, you know grow into their own shoes well or not, especially if they find that they're you know that's their game, right? Is that their identity? They've got a really good line, and so you're gonna you're gonna lean on that line. Um, it'll be fun to watch. They have, um, you know, talking about interesting schedules. Um, they open with four home games in a row, and, and they are every game they have in September is is at home. Wow! Uh, and then they <laughs> that's then they weird. yeah, and then they're on the road for four out of five in October. Oh, that's a tough way to finish, though, yeah. especially if you've gotten used well, to being at home. <laughs> And especially those road games are uh, three of them are at Londonderry, at BG, and then at Pinkerton to end the season. Right. So yeah, it's uh, that's that's an interesting schedule. Um, I'm not, and you know now and now that I look at Salem, Salem's is kind of the opposite. They're on the road for three of the first four, and then they're at home for four of the last five. Right. Although we said earlier, it's going to be their home away from so, home yeah, anyway. Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. They're playing five games in Salem, three games in Nashua. Yeah, that's just yeah. Yeah, but but uh, you know, again, you know, sometimes momentum helps too, right? Again, if Alvern if Alvern can gain some momentum in these, this home stand, they can continue to play well on the line. Um, again, I I think the tight end's name is Porter, Andrew Porter, um, was a pretty good target, um, reeled in a number of catches, and he was a beast on defense as well. Um, I think he had a, a sack and um, a, a, at least ten tackles. I mean, the, the kid who just played really well. They've they've got some players this year. So we can't uh, we can't uh, 
not talk about, uh, before we wrap up our D1 discussion, we got to talk about the team that's in first place right now in the North Conference. Um, you know, just a, 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 a kind of eye-opening weekend there where we have, you know, Goffstown and Bedford and Manchester Memorial. Actually, the enti- if you look at it, the entire North, with the exception of Concord, goes out to the seacoast and gets beat. beat. Bedford losing at Winnicott, Goffstown losing at Exeter, Central losing at Portsmouth, and then Memorial losing at Dover. Concord plays at home against Spalding, comes out with a 21 nothing win. Uh, yeah, congratulations to them. First win for Coach Corkum. Yeah, and um, yeah, first win for them, and they're in first place all by themselves in the North Conference, just like just right. like we anticipated after we right. <laughs> well, you know the 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 Winnicunit win for whatever reason didn't surprise me. I think I picked yeah, them on yeah. your on your site, which you know typically Bedford's a, been a power, but you know, some of what I had been reading coming out of the Seacoast and, and just knowing who they had coming back this year, I, I don't know. I have a feeling that they're going to be a force to contend with. I think the thing that I really was surprised with was Exeter beating Gosstown. Yeah, maybe not just um, beating them, but beating them the way that they did. I know the, the final was 37-14, but I think at one point it was like 27 to nothing, um, which yeah, really yeah. didn't expect that. And one of those games where, like, Exeter barely threw a pass. Yeah. You know, I mean, I know they're not, like, a pass, you know, a pass-happy offense to begin with. But, you know, usually if you're going to put up points like that, you know, in a lot of cases they end up having to loosen teams up with some play action. And they're usually good at it when they do it, you know, little flood passes and things like that. And they can be very dangerous. But I'm pretty sure that they just they just got after Gosstown on the ground and just grinded them and. You know, that's not something that you've seen. I mean, Goffstown has actually kind of owned Exeter, uh, especially in playoff-type meetings. Yeah. Uh, you know, a championship even, right? And so, and and then you think about all the talent that Goffstown had coming back. You think about all of the, the seniors that Exeter graduated. Now, that was kind of an easy one, I thought, uh, in terms of, like, your pick, you know? Yeah. But, no, you know, that, that what an eye-opener that was. I mean, congratulations to Exeter. But, again, like you and I said at the beginning, uh, before we got on the air here, it's hard in week one because you never know what little factors just haven't come together yet for teams, you know? Yeah, to some of those numbers, um, you mentioned the run in the ball. Uh, Exeter scored on its first four possessions, 257 yards on the ground. They're up 27 nothing, And for the game, uh, eight different ball carriers, 385 yards. Uh, Jake Weiberg uh, with 110 and a touchdown. Ian Ireland with 96 and a touchdown. And, you know, you know, for Goffstown, um, you know, we talked a lot about the number of kids they had returning. But, you know, the one key guy that was missing is um, is the quarterback, uh, you know, with with Jarrett Hanault graduating. And, uh, you know, it's maybe it's something that maybe gets, I think, a little underestimated, even at the high school level. You know, definitely college pros, you know, you, you take out the quarterback and, and change that position and it's it's drastic, but I, I think maybe it is a little more so in, in high school, too. Um, you know, I remember Nashua South uh, going back maybe about seven or eight years, the last year that, that Trevor Knight was there. Um, I think he and, and there was like one other starter on offense graduated, and everyone else was back. And, um, you know, it was kind of like, okay, well, they're just going to plug in this guy, and he's going to, you know, they're, they're not going to miss a beat. And I think they ended up going – four and five and, and missing the playoffs that year. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it is, I think, you know, it's, it's not, 
yeah, you know, and, and, and especially in an offense like Offstown's too, where the quarterback I think does a little bit more than than most. Um, yeah, it's a tough it's a tough spot to have to fill in, even if you have so many guys returning. I think you're hitting the point, right? Is that there's there's every offense has, no matter how much you try to say it doesn't, uh, maybe not every offense, but most offenses have a position that they really hinge on. Right. Right, and each one is a little different. Like the wing T, for example, like what Salem and Pinkerton run, you could almost say that the most important role on that team is the offensive guards. They're, they're, if you don't have offensive guards that can that can pull and trap and move people, do all kinds of different blocks, it's going to be really hard to get that offense going. With the like a pro-style offense, you really need a good tailback. Right, you you, you build around your best player is going to be your running back, your primary running back. Right. And with most of the spread offenses, not all of them, right? Some of them are kind of spread to run and, and they do different things. But if you've got a spread offense like Goffstowns or Souths, you know, one of these offenses that does a lot of sort of reads and options and, uh, you know, both in the passing and the running game. Sauhegan does a lot of that under Coach Bawcat. If if you don't have a guy that you can that can do that stuff, right, or – a guy that's new and he's going to have to step in and, and, and get reps and learn it, it. It can be a huge deal. And I think, and I think you hit upon it really well, right? Goffstown, it's not like they have 55 running plays. They have like three or four running plays. Uh, and they just get really good at those three or four things, yeah. but they all require the quarterback or most of them, like, you know, say they have five running plays, four of those five running plays really require the quarterback to make very quick decisions and smart decisions, not just handing the ball off, right? So if you've got a guy that's still coming up to speed, it really can hurt you. Um, but it's another example of one of these situations where, yeah, and then, but then how, how does that team click when he finally does come up to speed? Well, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> yeah, right, but you know what I mean, right? No, that's yeah, why, again, yeah, that's yeah, why that, yeah. that week one sometimes can be a little deceptive, right? You could look Absolutely. at that, you know, shrug and say, oh, well, you know, Goffstown's going to stink this year. Oh, well, you know, South isn't as good as we thought or whatever, right? And it's it's not, it's very deceptive because there's so many things that can come together for different teams at different times that, that week one is, you know, you want to get a W, but it's also not something where you just like, oh, well, okay, I guess, I guess, we'll, you know, we're not going to be as good as we thought. No way, right? There's just too much practice to, too many practice practices too many games to go to make any of those decisions there are no must wins in the in the first week of the season right uh all right well let's um let's turn our attention here to to division two and uh what you know potentially may be um the game of the year already uh it's not to yeah not to to put too much on on week one uh like we were just saying but uh potential game of the year here between Bo and hanover um in a game that really i think I mean, we can get away with just talking about maybe the last two minutes of this game. Um, yeah. Because you had, you know, Bo go on a 97-yard drive in in less than a minute to go up 20-13 to 13 with about a minute, a little more than a minute remaining. And, uh, you know, Hanover gets the ball back, and they look like they're in trouble, uh, third and 10 uh, from their own 35-yard line. And, you know, instead, uh, Colin Pierce, uh, the senior quarterback for Hanover, um, you know, gets a little pressure after he gets the ball, rolls out to his left, and just on the run, kind of across his body, just chucks the ball about, I don't know what, 40, 45 yards 
and hits uh, Brendan Logan for a 65-yard touchdown with, uh, with 49 and a half seconds left. Uh, Bo gets called for an unsportsmanlike penalty on the touchdown, so the, the, the extra point goes from the three to the one and a half. He decides to go for two, and Pierce just runs it up the middle, uh, and Hanover hangs on for a 21-20 to 20 win over Bo. Yeah, that's a that's a tough way to lose what what really is probably going to go down as one of the classic New Hampshire high school football games. I mean, you know, to to you can't say that they wouldn't have scored the go ahead on the conversion uh, without the penalty, but certainly, you know, looking back on that and thinking that man, an unsportsmanlike penalty may have cost us the game. Yeah, uh, that that can be a rough one. I mean, always a lesson learned. But a tough lesson for sure. Um, but but bottom line is, you said it before we we got on the call today, and that was that that throw that was made by Hanover. What, what uh, I forget what the young man's uh, name Colin, is. Colin QB. Pierce. Pierce, thank you. Yes. Right. Um, I mean, rolling to his left, sort of having to get his shoulders around and throw almost cross body. I mean, almost everything that you try to coach quarterbacks not to do because a lot of bad usually happens when you're doing that. <laughs> And he made a play that really, you know, co- like well-coached college quarterbacks with a lot of arm strength and a lot of athleticism w- might not attempt to make right, and, and certainly right. might not be able to make. And to, to just summon that sort of superhuman athleticism and make that play happen, um, I mean, that's tremendous. You know, you, you might see something like that in, in New Hampshire once a year. Oh, once a uh, year? I don't even know if, yeah. Maybe once every like five years. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I mean that's <laughs> totally fair, right? It was a it was a really really great play. Yeah. Um, and and uh, you know we we knew they were going to be good. Um, so it'll be it'll be a lot of fun watching them as they move through the rest of their schedule, uh, especially if they're gonna if they're gonna continue to play games like that. Uh, yeah. You know? Oh yeah, of course. You know, and, and that was only one of I think two games that came down to the wire in um, in, in Division Two. You also had. Uh, Guilford Belmont hanging or pulling out a twenty-one to twenty win, same, you know, what same score even um, over Sanborn, um, you know where you had uh, what's the young man's uh, Michael Keto from from Guilford Belmont, um, you know leading leading the the Eagles in tackling, um, caught a forty-eight yard touchdown pass for the score, uh, or no to set up the score and then ran it in, had the two point conversion to put um, Guilford Belmont up by a point. And then uh, Sanborn misses a field goal as time expires. Yeah. Yeah, very similar storyline. I mean, uh, you know, Keto obviously plays a different position than Pierce, but kind of the same thing, right? I mean, Pierce and Keto both kind of put that that uh, that key drive on their backs solely, you know? And, uh, I mean, nobody does it solely, but you know what I mean, right? right? They were right. sort of the guys that, that keyed the whole thing. Um, and then, you know, again, another kind of heartbreaking way to go down, uh, you know, to, to kind of put it on your field goal kicker and, and come up short. That's, uh, that's also tough. You know, you get down in range and, um, and, and it, you know, everybody's sort of holding hands and hoping that it happens. And, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, again, tough way to lose the opener. But yeah. again, it's week one, you know, and though having that kind of a game that early on uh, for either the winner or the loser, it, it's really such great experience you know, to have those close games, those hard-fought games. It can be emotional that you lose it, in the case of Sanborn and Bo here, but also 
the amount of experience that you gain from going through that is it, it, you really can't put a price tag on it. I mean that the, you you just you grew up a lot as a team yeah. by going through that. I would guess. I yeah. I mean you you, you hope so. You, yeah, you hope that it's the kind of thing that you're able to bounce back from and it doesn't kind of derail you. Uh, right. You know. Um. Yeah. Outside of those two games, I think though that uh, D two had a lot of. Uh, a lot of one-sided games there, um, but there were a couple that kind of, you know, stood out. I think to both of us. Um, one being that you know, uh, actually a crossover game there with with Salhegan beating Kennett thirty-seven uh, nothing, and and kind of the eye-opening one there was uh, was Romy Jane. We talked about last week, the freshman quarterback for the Sabers, uh, over three hundred yards passing, five touchdowns through the air. Um, you know, but seeing the highlights from that one, um, just some of the balls that that he was throwing. I, I mean, I can't remember too many freshmen that that you know have able to that are, that have been able to do some of the things that he's doing um you know first in that uh, jamboree two weeks ago and then in that win last friday yeah you know i i, I have to i have to admit right uh, i'm going to be totally honest here i follow uh coach bellevue on on social media i can't remember if it was twitter or what it was but he had posted uh romy jane's statistics from the win and it was like oh you know you know whatever it was, right, 320 yards passing and five touchdowns. And, you know, I remember, you know, I knew he was a freshman based on what we had talked about last week. And I remember thinking to myself, yeah, you know, but it was probably like, you know, Sal Hegan's really great at screen passes and, you know, little shovels and things. I'm like, I wonder if a lot of it was just like he's getting the ball out quick to his athletes and and they're making a couple people miss on the perimeter and taking it. And then I saw the highlights from the game. I was like, no, he's he's throwing the ball vertical. Uh, you know, putting it in tight spots. He he hit uh, Tony Garant, who um, I don't remember that name from last year. It sounds vaguely familiar, so he must have been he must have been a, a piece of that championship he, team. He, but yeah, I think one of the one of the few returning guys that they had. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, he had a monster night. I mean, you know, he caught a pass down the right sideline. Um, that again, sort of was a, a tremendous athletic play. But he had almost 140 yards receiving three touchdowns three of those five touchdowns i mean so if you're a division two team you've got to be a little nervous about that i mean i think a lot of teams were hoping that okay great yeah so uh you know kind of dominated last year and and certainly won the, the championship but you know they graduated a lot of key pieces right they graduated jane's older brother they graduated maroon they, they graduated a lot of kids off that defense that was so spectacular and yeah, they just shut a team out and hung 37 on them with a freshman quarterback who threw for 320 yards. Um, I don't think anybody's gonna. <laughs> I don't think anybody's gonna uh, pencil in a W against Sauhegan this year. That's for sure. Uh, and then the other other one was the was uh, Timberlane's 43 nothing win over St. Thomas was kind of one that. Uh, um, maybe not not so much that Timberlane won, but just the fashion in which they did it. You had Dan Dan Post running for. Uh, almost 130 yards and three touchdowns in that one. Yeah, and 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 it's it's even more of an exclamation point when you when you think about how good of a team traditionally St. Thomas is. And you know, we talked last week about they they have had a little bit of a of a of a coaching carousel there, which is unfortunate, right? I mean, I don't know that that's anybody's fault. It's it's probably not the fault of the program. It's just it's just the circumstances they found themselves in, and and that can be very very difficult. Uh, to gain cohesiveness and consistency, um, 
but Timberlane, uh, you know, they, they've been on a lot of people's radar as a top team given what they had coming back. And, you know, I think I expressed last week in the podcast that, you know, I think one of the points that if they, if, the, if I was going to take them seriously, not that anybody cares whether I'm taking them seriously, <laughs> or not, but if I'm going to take them seriously, uh, you know, I, I'd, I'd want to see that their offensive line play had improved because what I did see of them last year in some, some games was that I thought that was kind of a weak spot. Well, I'll tell you what, I saw some of the film of, of that game uh, against St. Thomas, and their offensive line was coming off the ball and moving people. They were big, they were strong, and they were driving their feet, and they were creating some pretty good run lanes for those backs. So, you know, the statistics kind of tell the story. But, um, but yeah, I mean, so i, I got to tell you, if that's a piece of the puzzle they've figured out, um, and maybe that's the difference between not having an offseason, that weight room so important, and having an off season this year, yeah. But their offensive line looked like night and day compared to where they were last year. So congratulations to them. And then um, you know we we got uh, Division three and Division four getting underway too. Um, you know we had uh, we talked a lot about the uh, the rematches of the championship games, and uh, you know Pelham did what uh, I think maybe we expected him to do, putting a thumping on Stevens, forty eight to six. In, in a rematch of the D3 final. You know, two other scores from, from uh, Division Three that kind of jumped out at me. Um, you know, uh, Laconia uh, hosting Monadnock, and uh, they they came out, or excuse me, Monadnock came away with a 12-7 win in that one, so a pretty close game there. And then uh, Campbell and Kearsarge. Kearsarge playing its first game in almost two years um, since they, they were off last year. Um, Campbell scored late and won twenty eight twenty in that one. Yeah, and Campbell sounds like they might have another uh, four year phenom coming up. They've they've kind of been known for that the, the uh, over the last decade or so. Yeah. They've got Scott Hirschberger, who's a, a freshman running back who uh, went for almost a hundred yards and two touchdowns. Um, you know, again, it, it's it, it was another one of those uh, uh, you know late breaking things where. You know, they scored that go-ahead touchdown with less than a second on the clock. Um, you know, it, it was a weird week for those kind of finishes. But, but yeah, that, that was definitely another one of those exciting games. Yeah. And then in, uh, in D4, the uh, championship game rematch had uh, Newport beaten Summersworth 24-7 uh, in that one. Um, is it Kyle Ashley uh, stepping in as, uh, at quarterback this year for, for Newport. Um, had a big game with 80 rushing yards, 80 passing yards, uh, a couple touchdowns. Uh, you know, so that's a that's a pretty big win for them. I know it's not by the uh, the same margin, you know, that they beat Summersworth in the final last year, but um, you know, Newport graduated a ton from a year ago, and and Summersworth returned a lot. So, you know, a, a really solid win to start out the year, I think, for for Newport. Yeah, that that was one of the ones too. I think was that one of the that was one of your picks on the website. I, so, I think yeah, right was yeah. Summersworth Newport. And I I, uh, I picked Summersworth, so I you know I've got to eat crow now. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that same, one surprised same. me. I, I thought I, I was really and you you know you'll remember this from last year. I was really high on Newport in the playoffs last year, and I was I was really impressed with the fashion that they you know, with which they went through, right? They had a really big win against Monadnock where they essentially just pounded Monadnock physically, which I don't think I've ever uttered those words in my life about anybody. <laughs> you, know, you, could, you could beat Monadnock, but you're not going to out-physical them. I mean, I was really impressed with Newport last year. 
but they lost a lot of those kids. You know, I, I remember seeing uh, the guys that had been picked for things like the the uh, the Shrine Bowl or the or the East West game, and saying, "Oh yeah, I remember that name. I remember that name." Boy, they you know they, they a lot of good players are moving on, and I assumed that with uh, Summersworth bringing a lot of talent back, and you know it's it's a it's harder to reload in in Division three and four. No matter how good of a team you are, it's just harder. You know, you don't have eighty kids on your roster. Yeah. So I assumed that they might be a little down. Uh, obviously, I assumed very incorrectly because <laughs> um, Summers were still a good team. You know, I mean, they've got Calvin Lambert who put a good game together, um, almost 130 yards rushing. Um, but you know, obviously Newport reloaded, so it'll be it'll be uh, you know it'll be hard not to pick them. You know, it'll be hard to pick against them. I should say in in future <laughs> oh, weeks yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe I was a little premature. <laughs> so, uh, and and this is kind of interesting. Uh, like a, a pretty uh, pretty short week for them. As uh, so, they played they played that game Saturday, um, and this year we've got an interesting scenario where we're going to have a couple Thursday games. And uh, Newport's turning around and playing at Bishop Brady Thursday night, uh, and that's not the only Thursday night game. You've also got um, Merrimack Valley hosting John Stark on Thursday this week. Um, so, you know, I think we talked about this when we were going over the schedule, um, that, f- you know, second week of the podcast, or maybe it was the first week. And, um, uh, you know, at the time, these games were still, weren't scheduled for Thursdays. But we had, there was another game, I forget what, but we, we mentioned that. It was like, oh, man, it would be fun if there was some more of these. Well, yeah. uh, our, our wish has come true, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you mentioned Brady has a number of their home games. They, yeah, they're, they've night. got a couple of home games. Um, this is this is um, the only one in September, but it looks like the la- their last two games of the season they're they're scheduled for um, Thursday night. Right. Yeah, and and Valley playing um, Stark on Thursday night. You said at Valley. Yeah, at at Merrimack um, Valley. It's a six o'clock kickoff on Thursday. Uh, Bishop Brady Newport is a six thirty kickoff in in Concord. Uh, yeah, and and Valley's coming off a pretty good win too. I forget who they played, but um, oh, I had it in front of me a second ago. You you would mention that, wouldn't you? <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I just remember seeing they they actually put a convincing uh, yes, victory they, together. They beat uh, Kingswood thirty-five nothing. That's it. Right. Right. Day. So you know that 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 could be an interesting uh, and fun matchup too, because obviously you know Stark uh, under a new coach. I'm sure you know. He, it's tough to open up against a team like Milford, but they're going to want to put something better together. But you know, maybe Valley's got a little something rolling. Yeah. It will. Uh, yeah, it's going to. I think it's going to be another interesting weekend. Some uh, some other interesting matchups there, and um, I'm I'm digging this Thursday night stuff. I you know have I fully intend to be at that game, and of course the Friday game, and. Maybe even a couple on Saturday. We've of course got that Conval Campbell game that's kicking off at eleven uh, Saturday morning. Um, Salem BG is playing at six thirty Saturday night, so definitely want to try to make those games. Yeah, um, it's going to be a busy weekend, uh, not just for uh, for the football teams, but for yours truly. Yeah, but you know, hey, after the year we had last year, <laughs> yeah. wouldn't have it any oh, other yeah. way, right? Abs- I mean, absolutely. It's it's kind of it's kind of what you live for in the fall, and uh, I, I, I'm uh, I'm I'm really kind of excited. It, it seems like there's going to be, you know, I think I think we had mentioned that it, you know it it felt like overall football was a little down last year, 
Uh, and again, you know, hard, I, hard to tell. Yeah, it was a yeah, just a weird year to really. Yeah, it was a weird year, and when you lose your preseason, you lose your, you know, you don't have guys in the weight room and things, it's, it's going to feel that way. It's not that it wasn't an entertaining season last year, because it was, but it felt a little down. This year, it feels like there's there's talent all over the place, you know, I mean, uh, you know, we, we were fumbling around in our in our first or second podcast, we were talking about who could be a contender and all this kind of stuff, and, you know, we were probably mentioning eight teams per division, right? <laughs> oh, these Everybody, guys could be everybody's a contender. Right, everybody's a contender this year, but it, it really is hard because I think there's a lot of talent in New Hampshire football this year, and I, I, I think there's going to be a lot of these. Uh, I mean, look at the way week one was like. It, it was a crazy house with these games, yeah. these last-minute finishes and these massive performances by people, and um, I, I, I think we're in for a really entertaining season. Well, I'm gonna, I sure hope so, I'm, and I'm sure you hope so as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Any other final thoughts before we wrap up for uh, for another week? What's the big game this coming weekend? What's the one you're the like? Doesn't so matter which division it is. What's the Friday, one that you're like? My, my big Friday night game. Uh, I'm eyeballing this uh, this Dover at Bedford game. I think that's got a, a lot of potential there to be a, a really good one. Um, you know, you've also got. Um, oh, what was I looking at? Oh, Milford Sauhegan. Sau or excuse me, Sauhegan at Milford. Um, yep. This Friday as well. That uh, that should be a good one. Um, What's the kickoff for that one? That is a seven o'clock kickoff, and then um, Saturday, the matchup. Like I said, Salem and BG might be the best best of the day. Um, just uh, not you know some kind of uh, the Saturday schedule this year, in some cases, some weeks is has been really is really light. Like I think coming up next week, uh, all the D one games are on Friday, so there's no D one Saturday games. Yeah. Um, so it seems like a lot of teams are are playing on Fridays this year. Um, yeah. Which is is interesting because that's not always the, very rarely the case. Um, right. But I'm sure as we figure some things out too, some of these games will look a little bit more. Uh, more interesting or, or have a little better storylines to them, I should say. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, um, oh, want to mention before we go to uh, just remind everybody that, um, you know, you can sign up for your football membership. Uh, go into the membership tab on nh-highschoolsports.com. That'll be up there for a couple more weeks. So you got a few a few more chances to, to sign up for yours uh, before it's too late. Uh, so, yeah, please do that uh, if you're interested in our football coverage. Uh, Mike, thanks again for uh, for joining me and doing this, and uh, looking forward to another week of football. Yep, had a lot of fun. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, he is Mike Lockman. I'm Joe Marcellina. We'll talk to you next week.